Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome to another edition of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, adjunct professor of media and communications here at Drew University, and joining me via Zoom is Dr. Brian Shetler, head of special collections at Drew University Archives, and also Candace Riley, special collections associate. Hello, Brian. Hello, Candace. Hi. Hey, Andrew. How are you doing today? We're doing great. How are you? Good, good. So what do you have for us? So the collection that we highlighted today is actually a relatively new one for the Drew Archives. This is something that really, thanks to Candace's uh, efforts, was created over the last year or so. Uh, we did a fashion history exhibit uh, fairly recently here in the archives. And as part of that, we started pulling out material from our collection that has to do with the history of fashion or representations of fashion. And as that was coming together, we realized there were some gaps in the collection and Candace through uh, things like eBay and uh, online resources was able to find purchase and purchase items that we have now added to a specific fashion history collection. Oh, so wow. right now what we're going to do is highlight or at least talk to you about a few of those items, uh, many of which come from the 19th century and are really great examples of how fashion was presented to the public uh, in early printed works such as postcards and advertisements, things like that. So I'll let Candace take it away from there and talk about what we have on display. Thanks, Brian. Uh, so yeah, as Brian was saying, uh, the items that I'm going to talk about today are focusing more on the advertisement and marketing version of fashion history. I was really drawn to when we were putting together the collection of Victorian advertisements uh, for these trade cards that were really popular in the Victorian period. Uh, trade cards actually originated in England in the 1700s, um, but then with the advent of lithography in the 1870s, it became more possible to mass produce them in color. So that's why we have some really, really beautiful pigments and colors examples of these trade cards that people would then collect and keep because they were so artistically stunning and really fun then to collect and share with one another. Um, trade cards usually have an image on one side and then the reverse side has then the advertisement uh, for the company. Not all of them do. Some of them have like a little description on the bottom of the picture, but and then some of them actually are even little booklets that you can open up and learn more about the wares you could possibly purchase. So the ones that I was really fascinated with are, um, there was these one uh, source of advertisements that were corset companies, but they mm. would sometimes partner with like coffee sellers. So when you bought your coffee, you could then get this little paper doll to play with. Um, oh, no. Their kids, as well as then um, like collectors, would collect these like little paper dolls that you would make out of like the coffee packaging. So one that I'm holding is from like McLaughlin's Coffee, where it's this woman in this very elaborate dress, and the packaging then came with other examples of her attire. So then, you know, as a collector, you could then keep these items, or a child can then play with the packaging you got from your coffee and learn about them the fashion of their time. This one is from 1895, it's fully in color. And then the back of the woman's body then details all about the coffee and how like superior their coffee is. And that there is a collection of like 16 dolls in that set. And there's one complete doll in each package. Oh, wow. And we featured um, a lot of actually paper dolls throughout the exhibit because it was a way for people to see like how fashion was like marketed towards like collectors and, and the youth. So we have some of those examples as well, and like another from a corset company that sold a paper doll as an advertisement. So that similar style where the woman's body as a paper doll, the front is completely colored in and she's wearing this uh, corset from Duplex Corset Company. So then the back has the advertisements of the corset company and details 
everything you need to do to buy it, how it's going to really tighten your waist and give you that nice hip shape. And then it comes with additional clothes as well um, for them you to understand the different types of fashion and how you can get that perfect shape while wearing duplex corsetry. So these are very sophisticated marketing techniques, something that we might not ordinarily associate with anything prior to the 20th century. Absolutely. And it, it's a great form of them that, that need to kind of collect these trade cards, which was a very popular form of this Victorian advertising. Um, other ones that we really enjoyed in the exhibit were advertisements uh, for the shoes. This one is just one-sided advertisement, and they have these really stunning colored shoes and really a kind of adorable, they look like almost old Valentines because they have these little cherubs sitting in shoes marketing these shoes company and accessories. But people would collect these and then they can show their friends and then they would then kind of spread the word of this company and then go off and purchase these very elaborate and beautiful shoes. Um, they were clearly marketing towards a female audience. They're using a lot of uh, bright, beautiful colors, a lot of pinks and blues, and they're showing a lot of like, feminine forms of fashion. That's not to say that these Victorian advertisements were not also marketing towards men. We do have examples um, of Fulton Street um, advertising with, for men's clothing, but it's a little ad with a small boy, is probably about five years old, but wearing clothes that an adult male would wear. So a top hat, he has a pipe on his, in his mouth and he's got like a, a glasses on and the other man's holding um, a little umbrella. And uh, the back um, has nothing on it, but the bottom that is showing you exactly where then to buy these fashionable clothes on Fulton Street in Brooklyn. Another example is also from that coffee company, the same uh, one, the first one I was talking to you about uh, that was showing off the fashion by buying your own coffee. They also had a man dressed up in a beautiful, uh, I think it's a three-piece suit with a coat. Um, so then you can also then uh, collect the men's clothing as well as the female clothing dolls in the set. Um, but there's only eight collectible men's dolls as there were, I think, 16 for the woman. So aside from coffee cans, how else were these circulated? Uh, they were circulated uh, through the, the stores, so they would then have them available. Uh, you could possibly also get them through periodicals. Okay. Um, so it was very accessible for the everyday person to then collect these items and to then have them and then to showcase uh, like their interest in fashion and shoes and different types of clothing. And there was also advertisements, not just for fashionable materials, but for dye cards as well. So to showcase um, how you would then dye clothing at your house. Um, so this is a little pamphlet that we have. Um, this is also from the Victorian period. The cover is of a woman showing a class how to dye clothes, a special dye called diamond dyes. And with diamond dyes, you can dye everything from um, yarn to socks to towels. So she's giving this little showcase on the cover. And then inside the pamphlet, it details everything you could dye, the different types of colors you could then purchase, going from like yellow, scarlet, crimson, magenta, and so on. And then it tells you what each dye will actually do. So to know what type of fabric you then need to apply that dye to. It tells you how to color feathers and everything. So it's a very uh, handy little pamphlet that then will tell you um, how to then utilize this dye to the best ability. And it actually has um, other advertisements within this pamphlet. Um, there's actually one on kidney diseases. So it was a, a 
design um, a company called a kidney wart will cure. So then it will tell you if you take this uh, kidney wart, it will stop your kidney disease. I don't know why this was put inside the <laughs> pamphlet. I got to do some more research on that one. Um, but then on the back of the issue of the pamphlet, um, they have other beautiful colored images. You see on the bottom, kids using these dyes to dye Christmas, oh, sorry, Easter eggs. Oh, wow. Um, so it's a very sweet image. And you, uh, there's a top one where you can dye children's clothing. And there's a, a little girl wearing a very muted gray dress. And she's looking very eagerly at this other girl wearing this bright magenta colored dress with like a yellow sash on it. So she wishes she had bright colored clothes. Uh, just like that. So she, she had diamond dyes. She needs to get diamond dyes. That's right. So this is fascinating. This is not only um, fashion but uh, or clothing, but it's also dyes. So this is a technique that was employed across the fashion industry, it seems like. It was. And uh, we also foc- uh, focus on, in our fashion exhibits, we have this uh, really amazing early 20th century seller's uh, uh, silk handbook so it actually, if you open it up, it opens to about six feet long and it has examples of about 50 to 60 different types of silk dyes. And the reason that we purchased this at a book fair a couple of years ago was because the colors were so bright and pigmented and that these were these really neon, almost pastels. Mm. And when you think of, at least I know a lot of our students, when they think about early 20th century fashion, they're not thinking of these really bright colors. Right. So we wanted to showcase that, like like diamond dyes, right? You're, you're seeing these very vibrant colors and that was a norm. So um, it's, it's helpful to see the colors and to understand that these, uh, like it's not neon, but a, a very close to a neon yellow was part of the fashion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what my own presumption would be about color palettes during that time for fashion, but yeah, bright pigmentation is not one that I think would would enter my consciousness at all. I'm thinking like doer colors, like, you know, gray and, and brown and that sort of thing. Yes, and I blame Hollywood for that. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right there. But I mean, it's also fascinating how the archive is still collecting uh, material, right? Um, Through eBay and through various means too, which I think is fascinating. We don't often think about that in terms of archives. We kind of think of collections as as something that's there and fixed, uh, not something that's necessarily being added to on a regular basis. Definitely. And I think part of that is to, to think of archives not as a static thing, but as an, as an active, living, uh, breathing environment, right? So like we that, are, yeah. we're always either accepting donations or making purchases to add to and enhance the collections we already have, or in this case, to fill in gaps that we know need to be filled in because there's an interest from an academic standpoint, from particularly in this case, art history and sociology classes came and used this material quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to make sure that we, we serve the purposes of the university and the students and faculty that are here. And that means sometimes acquiring new items or uh, expanding collections as needed. Yes. So if anyone out there wants to donate Victorian trade cards to the archives, we <laughs> very happily accept that. Yeah. F- find us on, uh, on Instagram and, uh, and Facebook and Twitter, right? Exactly. Yes. Well, thanks so much for sharing these, Candace and Brian. Yeah, happy to. Thank you. That's our show. If you want to see images of the items we've highlighted today, head on over to Drew University Participatory Archives at www.drew.edu forward slash library forward slash special hyphen collections. 
You can follow the Drew Special Collections and University Archives on social media, on Facebook at Drew U Special Collections, on Twitter at Drew U Archives, and on Instagram at Drew Archives. For myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, for Dr. Brian Shetler and Candace Riley, take care, stay safe, and see you next time on Drew Archives in 10.